Welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. Church, we are in our second week of our new series called Embracing Exile, where we're talking about how Jesus has sent us into the world and how we are his true emissaries. We are his, his uh, or we're emissaries of the true king. We are ambassadors of, uh, of this truth of who Jesus is. And, and we talked about identity and destiny and influence last time and, and, and this kingdom shift of immediate family to eternal family. Today we're talking about this kingdom shift of in or of tangible to intangible and what that and what that looks like for us as we kind of cross and intersect biblical theology and cultural commentary. Remember not just cultural commentary out there in the world but but the church cultural commentary too. What culture have we fallen prey to inside the church? Uh, and then also uh, spiritual formation. So uh, we're going to talk about all those things today uh, as, as we dive into this, this, this shift, this change from tangible to intangible. And guys, in this cultural moment, in this technological age, this black swan event in the pandemic, it's changing things. It's changing the world. It's changing the church. It's changing, it's changing your families. It's changing our lives, whether we want it to or not. And guys, for the church, the church has been great over the years of hunkering down and not changing. <laughs> but again, the world is changing whether we want it to or not. And the church is changing whether we want it to or not. And so we need to ask God, what do you want for us in this change? What, what's happening here? How do we, how do we um, uh, partner with you? How do we follow you? How do we collaborate with you, God? How do we see where you're on the move and, and join that movement? And, and there's been things throughout history that have done this, guys. This isn't the first time. I'm just thinking about the, the onset of the printing press and how that changed things. We could have said in the church, no. No to the printing press. We'll instead continue to go to, to, to religious services where this guy speaks to us in Latin and he reads to us in a language we don't understand. But no, we said, well, maybe, maybe the printing press will lead to us having uh, the scriptures in our own language and maybe we can read it for ourselves in community and interpret it together rather than just just uh, listening to this one guy say this, say this thing uh, that we don't understand, right? And it changed and it revolutionized the church. So there's things like that. This is one of those moments for us. I was listening to uh, Pat Gelsinger, who is the CEO of Intel, um, and also this guy named Scott Beck. And, and Scott Beck was the guy who took Blockbuster from one store to tens of thousands of stores. So he scaled it. And then he kind of got out. Blockbuster didn't change with the times. And uh, you know what happened, what happened there. Uh, but listen to these guys, and they were talking about 
this technological movement and how the church needs to appropriate technology for interpersonal relationships. And they said this, this statement, they said, the church that does not do this, does not take technology and, and reappropriate for interpersonal relationships, because technology tends to um, go against interpersonal relationships. He said, they said, the church that does not do this is a dead church in this new age in this next age. So, so how, do we, how do we see what God's doing? How do we take what he's given us, take what, what he's, he's allowed us to create in technology and use that for the glory of God and use that for the church? And, and uh, Adam and I were talking about this and, and he had this amazing statement. He said, you know what? Form doesn't matter when kingdom is the focus. Form doesn't matter when kingdom is the focus. And guys, so many of us are, are latching onto our forms. We, we want it to look like this. And we talked a little bit about this last week. We want our form to be this, and we think that's the right form. There's no other form. And again, traditionalism, that Pelican quote that I, that I quoted a few weeks ago, says that traditionalism thinks that uh, we can't do anything for the first time. And so you're, you're just latching onto this, this form. But when the kingdom is the focus... The form doesn't matter. And like we talked about last week, it's the function that matters. The mission of God. Are we living that? Are we actually making a difference? Are we influencing guys? And if we stick to the form of the church that, that we've had for hundreds and hundreds of years, we're going to be left behind. We already are left behind. Look around you here in Toronto, in Canada, where you live. The church isn't influencing the world. It isn't creating culture. It isn't, it isn't reaching people. There isn't kingdom impact in North America. And so we need to ask God, okay, what's on the horizon? What's new? How can we innovate in this time? How can we move forward? Because here's the bottom line for today. If you only focus on what you can touch, you'll miss out on much. I know a bit cheesy, uh, but hopefully remember it. If you only focus on what you can touch, on what's tangible, you'll miss out on much, on the intangible. And again, guys, we're not saying the tangible doesn't matter, the physical doesn't matter. We're putting it in its proper context of the intangible, of the spiritual. The physical only has meaning in that context, right? So we're not getting rid of it, we're, we're still bringing the physical along in the intangible. Don't fall into this either or fallacy, right? Um, we want both of these things. So check out verse three here. Peter says, blessed be the God and father. Okay, so this, this idea of father, this, this, uh, this theological concept of God being father, if you've been a follower of Jesus for a, long, for, for a while, um, it's not new to you. Uh, for those outside of the faith, it'd be new to them. Even for those, uh, those here in the scriptures, Jesus is the one who really develops this, this, uh, this understanding of God as Father. If you go into the Hebrew scriptures in the Old Testament, God is known as the Lord Almighty, the Lord of hosts. He's, he's known as, as these kind of big transcendent names. Uh, although his personal name is Yahweh, uh, there's, there's that, but it's, it's often missed when, you, when, when we read the Old Testament, when we read the Hebrew scriptures, that 
that God has also had this intimate personal nature to him where he's imminent, not just transcendent. And when Jesus comes, he makes a way for that for us. He bridges that gap for us. He becomes the one mediator between God and man. He, he brings us uh, by making peace between us and God. He brings us to God, the Father, his Father. The Spirit, Paul says, when we cry out, it says, Abba, Father. It says, Daddy. It says, uh, it has this intimacy in it. So, so here, God the Father, He's not just creator God. He's not just our Father because He created us. He's this transcendent being. He's actually the one who caused your new birth. He's actually the one who, who fed you, who taught you how to walk, who, who when you were learning to walk as a follower of Jesus and learning how to talk and learning how to, how to eat, He's the one who was there teaching you those things. He's the first voice you heard calling out, right? You wouldn't, you wouldn't come to him if he didn't call out to you. It's his voice. It's his voice we're learning to recognize. That's discipleship. It's his voice that we want to recognize more and more in one. He's the one. He's our father who is bringing us along in the faith. So he starts off, he says, blessed be God and father, be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because according to his great mercy, he's caused us to be born again, to be born anew, to be born again to what? To a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. As our culture uh, really focuses on the tangible, you know, when we talk about the intangible, where we're kind of like, okay, what, what do you mean? There's things that we can't touch, right? The, the non-physical things, the more spiritual things, the, the, the character qualities, the, the, those things that, uh, that are, are um, in our minds and in our hearts, those are intangibles, right? But our world isn't focused on those things. Our world, uh, the, especially our culture here uh, in, in Toronto, in North America, is, is focused on, is it has this culture of physical transformation, or just think about uh, the health craze. And don't get me wrong, you should eat healthy. Kids, eat your vegetables. Like it's not, it's not, um, I'm not talking about the health, the health craze of just you know, having a healthy lifestyle. I'm talking about the physical transformation of it, right? The outward appearance of going to the gym and pounding your protein shakes and, and all that. There's this, there's this desire to look good on the outside, right? This physical transformation of losing weight. Uh, think about your physical transformation of getting haircuts and having a certain hairstyle uh, of the clothes you wear and, and the types of clothes, the brand names and all, and all those things, et cetera, et cetera. This physical aspect, this physical transformation versus in, in the scriptures and what's intangible is a spiritual transformation, right? It, it's, it's, it's this... Uh, it's, it's the inside. And, and Jesus, this comes out when Jesus talks to Nicodemus, who, who uh, is a Pharisee. Back in John chapter 3, he talks to Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes to him like under the, a shroud of darkness at night uh, because he's, he's afraid of probably judgment and, and what other people might think of him, right? And so he comes in a shroud of darkness because he's afraid of the, the physical transformation, right? So he's talking to Jesus, and Jesus is talking to him about being born again. Being, and, and, and Nicodemus says, what? How can I do that? You want me to crawl back into my mother's womb? How, how can that even happen? He's focused on the physical. And, and Jesus says this to the Pharisees later. He says, you guys worry so much about the outside of the cup. You're cleaning the outside of the cup. But 
You don't drink from the outside of the cup. You drink from the inside of the cup, and that is filthy. Guys, think about the church. How many of us are, are so worried about, about looking great on the outside for the church, right, and, and appearance, uh, and, and, uh, and, and having a physical transformation on the outside and not a, not a, not a true spiritual transformation on the inside, right? That, that's the same culture. We brought that culture in the world into the church. Wear your three-piece suit or uh, wear your leather jacket with your ripped jeans, right? The clothes. Um, uh, show people that you're praying, like the Pharisees. Pray on the, on, on, on the street corner. Um, uh, you know, you, you, it's just all religion. It's all on the outside. But Jesus is concerned with the intangible, with, with the, the internal spiritual transformation. Guys, in our... Uh, our very recent culture in this pandemic over this past year, uh, there's been what's, uh, what's been known as the Zoom boom. Because we are on Zoom, we're on FaceTime. Anyone use Skype out there still? Uh, there's that. WhatsApp, um, or as my dad calls it, WhatsApp. Uh, <laughs> like those old commercials back in the day, WhatsApp. Uh, uh, there's, there's all these video services, right? Microsoft Teams, if anyone's using, still on a PC using Windows. Uh, there's, there's all these, all these things. And, and it's a Zoom boom because on, as we're on screens more, we see ourselves more. We like, we, we're basically looking in a mirror all day when you're on a Zoom meeting because you see yourself. And odds are, you're looking at yourself on that screen more than you're looking at other people on that screen. You're looking at how, you, how your mannerisms are, what your face looks like, all that. And I was reading this article and it said, Obsess, it says this, obsessing over our own image, this is from BBC, uh, can lead to perceptual distortion. And this, 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 this lady, she says, uh, and this occurs when we highlight a fault in ourselves then focus disproportionately on it until it becomes magnified in our perception. And she says that devices such as smartphones further alter body image due to the angles at which we hold them. And many studies in the last few years, she says, have been linked with, uh, many, yeah, have linked selfie taking, right, and the angles and all that stuff, and social media with body dysmorphia and negative self-esteem and negative self-image. That's the culture we live in. That's social media. And inherently, your Instagram feed, your, your TikTok, your, your you know, whatever else, the Snapchat still thing, all, all those things, your Facebook profile, inherently it's a narcissistic tool. Right? You're, you're just showcasing, you're showcasing the best things about yourself. I don't know anybody on there who's, who's uh, hey, hold on, spouse, as they're fighting. Let's take a selfie of this while we're fighting. I don't know anyone on there who's, who's, who's posting their, their, their bad times all the time. They're posting all the, all the good things, right, to showcase the, what, what's good. And, the, and those of you who are following it are like, oh, man, I wish my life was that good. I wish I had that. I wish I was doing that. And we don't see what, what, what's behind there. We're, we're, seeing a fake, we're seeing a fake life. And, and it leads to this negativity that our culture is perpetuating, that you're perpetuating by your own social media feed, by 
by going onto other people's feeds and, and all that. And again, guys, I'm not saying to throw it all out. I'm saying put the tangible into the intangible and into the proper context. Let's, let's, and let's use technology for the glory of God and for the glory of the kingdom, not, not our own glory. Because here's, here's the question. Here's the thing. How has body dysmorphia, how has that affected Christ's body? How has that affected your perception of the church? How does that affect the way you, you think about the church or, or what you think the church should be? What kind of perceptual distortion do you have? What kind of body dysmorphia do you have on the body of Christ? And how you think the church should, should treat you, how you think the church should cater to you, how you think the church should do what you want. How, like, where, where's your perception there? Where's your dysmorphia there with the body of Christ? Well, what perception distortion do you have with, with the image of God that is in you? And you have, if you follow Jesus, well, no, not if you're, all of you, whether you follow Jesus or not, if you're listening, the image of God has been placed inside you. Male and female, you've been created in the image of God. How are you seeing that image today? Is it dysmorphed? Is it perceptually distorted? because of this, this culture of negativity, because of, 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 of all these things? And, and, and then how does that translate into how you view the church in Christ's body? Here's the scary thing, and probably the difficult part, of moving from the tangible to the intangible. And, and for us as a church, particularly where we're headed as a church and where we are right now as a church, the scary and difficult part is, is if you ask yourself those, yourselves those questions, the Lord's going to uncover some things. He's going to uncover where you're seeing things wrongly. He's going to uncover the dysmorphia. He's going to uncover the distortion. And I just want you to know and realize that as we're talking right now, odds are you do have some form of this for the church, for the body of Christ. I do. And as I have, I mean, like we said, Nicodemus did. And he had a leg up on us. He, he knew the scriptures, and he did. And as I've learned to recognize where I'm seeing the body of Christ off, where I've dysmorphed it, where my perception is distorted, I want to help you do the same so that we can all move forward together in the mind of Christ and in the body of Christ. Because Jesus says this to Nicodemus at the end of things. He says, if I've told you earthly things and you don't believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? And Peter says in verse four, he goes on, he says, we've been given this heavenly thing to an inheritance. We've been born again to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And, we, and, and our, our, our culture, guys, is, is not a culture of these three things. Rather than being imperishable, it is perishable. Rather than being undefiled, it's defilable. Right? Rather than being 
unfading, it's fading. Food, sex, money, possessions, physical appearance. Guys, those things aren't, the, the what of those things isn't inherently evil. It's really the why. Like, why food? Why, why do you feel like you have to eat that much food? Why do you feel like you have to consume that much? The why of it. Why do you, uh, why do you have sex? Even if you're, you're married, why? What's the why? It's not the, the, we're not talking about the what is you. These things are uh, having gifts from God. So, so it's the why. It's your motives. It's your intentions. Why should your physical appearance matter? Why, the, why money? Why possession? And, and here's the thing about money, guys. Most of us, we're not just concerned about accruing a whole bunch of money. We're, we're concerned about accruing a whole bunch of possessions. We want to use that money to get stuff for us. That's why when, when Jesus talks to the rich, rich guy, uh, he says, hey, go sell all of your possessions and give them to the poor. The guy was rich because he had tons of possessions. He, he just accrued all of that. So, so that's the thing about money, guys. It's not like when we talk about money, people, people are like, oh, well, I don't love money. No, like, what do you buy with that money? Why the money, right? What are you doing with that money? What do you, what, what, where's your focus there? So uh, that contrasts with this culture that, that God is trying to put in us, that Peter is trying to do this here, this kingdom culture that we've been given an inheritance that is imperishable that is undefilable, that is unfading because of what? Because of the resurrection of Jesus, because Jesus never fades, because Jesus never perishes, because Jesus is not defiled. He is ever living and breathing and moving in us and through us and in this world. And the best the world has to offer is this existential, materialistic, hedonistic bleakness. That's the best that the world has to offer. But in Jesus, as Peter says here, we can have a sure hope that we know who we are, why we're here, and how to make a difference. Something that is eternal, uh, that has eternal and everlasting significance. And Peter here is writing to these exiles, these people who have been displaced, who have given up a lot to follow Jesus. And they're exiles, they've left their homeland. And guys, that's not like moving today. That's not like, oh, why move from Waterloo to Toronto, or I move from uh, America to Canada, or I move from China to Canada. Like, it's, it's not exactly the same. Um, these, these people, now, it could be the same if you're moving from, uh, this, this happened with, with Syria and all the refugees, right? They moved from uh, their land to, to the West. And, and what happened there is they lost land, and they lost identity, and they lost history and livelihood and culture, right? It was much, much greater of a loss there. And when Peter's writing to these, uh, to these exiles, they've done that. They've lost a lot. And now they're socially ostracized in the land that they're in. They're, they're not accepted. They're not welcome. They're socially ostracized there. They're truly living sacrifices, which means, according to Paul in Romans chapter 12, they're living lives that are holy and pleasing to the Lord. It also means that they're not conforming to the ways of this world, he says, but they're being transformed by the renewal of their minds, the intangible, being transformed. And he goes on to say in chapters 12 and 13 in Romans, he says, this means this for for us. If you're going to follow Jesus, this means this for you. 
It means you bless and do not curse. It means you are fervent in the spirit. It means you are not slothful in zeal. It means that uh, you, you overcome evil with good. It means that you clothe yourselves with Christ. It means you cast off the works of darkness. It means you wake up and you live for Jesus because salvation is nearer to us today than when we first believed. That is your calling in Christ Jesus. Guys, but instead, a lot of the church is just cowering in the corner, scared, because they're like, oh, well, well, the world doesn't want to listen to us. They don't, they don't want our Jesus. You know, they, they, don't, they, don't want, they don't want what we have. No, guys, the world doesn't want what we have. No, sorry, the world does not, the world doesn't, how do I say this? Uh, the world doesn't want what we have, not because they don't want Jesus. It's because they don't want you. They don't want your Jesus. They want Jesus. They want this Jesus here that we talk about. But the way you're living out your faith, they may not want that. Because they say, why is that different from what I have? What does that do anything for me? That's just going to create troubles for me. And I see you struggle with your troubles, and you struggle with them the same way I do. I see you just trying to get that house and that car and the, and the raise and the promotion. I see you just trying to make it in this world. I see your social media feed. I see what you post on there. I see uh, your immodesty. I see your... Uh, how you rant and rave. I see your lack of compassion. I see, I see that. Why, why would I want that at all? And we think, oh, they don't want our Jesus. No, they don't want your Jesus. Guys, it's time to wake up. It's time for us to allow, allow Jesus to form. It's time for you to move from the tangible to the intangible. It's time, it's time for you to allow the spirit to alter your, your allegiance because if we're to live out our identity and destiny in order to influence our world, we cannot look like the world. We cannot chase after the things that the world does in the same way the world does it. We can't be consumed by the things that are fading, the things that are in the things that, that perish, the things that are defiled and defilable. What are you sacrificing for the kingdom? How are you living as, as a living sacrifice? And notice I didn't say, what have you sacrificed, but what are you sacrificing? What are you doing? How are you doing that daily? Or how about this question? Would you rather have that which is, yeah, I should say, yeah, would you, what would you rather have? Would you rather have that which is immortal, pure, everlastingly beautiful, and does not fade, or would you rather hold on to what is touched by death, stained by evil, and impaired by this world and by, and by time? Let go of those things to receive that which is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. And you might say, well, it says here like, well, that's kept in heaven. I don't get that now. No, you do get that now. You can have it. It's yours in Christ Jesus. Just because it's in heaven, the, the reason he says that, that it's in heaven is that that's why it doesn't fade. That's why it's imperishable. That's why it's undefiled because God is guarding it. This doesn't mean that you can't access it. 
You can access it. This is the abundant life. And salvation here, when he says that here, it's not just a spiritual salvation. Salvation, we, we, we tend to, we reduce it. We have a reductionistic view of salvation. We too narrowly define it. Salvation is the abundant life. It has connotations that are broad for the here and the now. And this is your living hope, he says. And so in this, you rejoice. And here in the last, in the last verses, this last section, uh, you rejoice forms an inclusio. So you have you rejoice at the beginning in verse 6. And then you have it at the end in verse 8, leading into verse 9. You rejoice. Which means that the point of Peter's, of these last verses of Peter's, is, that, uh, is joy and rejoicing. Because he's bookended this for us. So, uh, so for us here in, I mean, just think about, just think about our, our culture, guys. Um, it's one of physical finitude, right? There's no hope in that. You die and then what else is there? Like if there's nothing intangible, if there's nothing spiritual, where's the hope? You're just living your life as best as you can, trying to be as comfortable as you can, trying to get uh, whatever pleasures you can get out of it. And then that's it. The sad commentary is the church lives the exact same way. The, the world out there is, is just consumed by nihilism. It has to be. If I wasn't a follower of Jesus, if I didn't have the intangible, if I didn't have something greater than I, uh, that Jesus has given us, I'd be nihilistic too. I'd say, what is life? It is meaningless. I would be hedonistic. I would just try to get as many pleasures as often as I could. That's our world. And you can't blame them. How can you blame them for that when there's nothing greater to live for? What's the point of helping your neighbor? What's the point of loving others? What, what's, what's the point of any of those things? What's, what's the point if there isn't a living hope in Christ Jesus? There is no point. It's nihilism. But in Jesus, he changes it. And the, the sad company, like I said, is the church lives the nihilistic, hedonistic lifestyle. And we have the living hope. We have been resurrected from the dead, supposedly. At least you say you are. At least you, you claim to be. Right? But are you actually? Are you actually following Jesus in this? And, and, and you might say, well, because uh, here he talks about, he had, there's this word necessary in here. You might say, well, why, why is suffering even necessary then? Well, because for us in the church, for us who are followers of Jesus, if we've chosen Jesus, we've chosen exile. If we've chosen Jesus, you have chosen a life of alienation and exile. And so you can either fight it, you can either kick against the goads, as, as Jesus says to Paul, you can either keep on doing that, or you can embrace it. And let me tell you guys, embracing is going to be a lot easier. Because as you're fighting it, really all you, have, uh, all you have is to find solace in the oasis of what is perishable, defiled, and fading. Or you can embrace exile with Jesus. Here, here's the paradox, guys. The paradox is this, that the same things that are causing the suffering, trials, persecution, distress for those who follow Jesus in this passage and in our world, are the exact same things that are causing joy for those who follow Jesus. It's the exact same thing that Paul, uh, Peter says to rejoice in. So even the things that the enemy intends for evil, 
these hardships, sufferings, trials, persecutions, the Lord can repurpose for good. So guys, that's amazing hope because our world, all they have is this nihilistic life to try to get as many pleasures as they can, as they can get, right? Because they're, they're dealing with all these other trials, all the same trials, all the same tribulations. They live in this world just like we do. And Peter here is also talking about us and suffering for righteousness sake. Right? So there's a different suffering for us as followers of Jesus. And we're, we've chosen to live the life that Jesus has because, uh, and because he did this and he's our master and we're his servants. No servant is greater than his master, Jesus says. So we have chosen this life. Stop trying to go for the other life. Embrace this one. Embrace the exile because when hardships and when persecution and when trials and when tribulations and when distress comes, God can repurpose it for his good. The world doesn't have that, guys. We get to multiply grace and peace into them so that they can have that. And he says here in verses 8 to 9, he says, though you have not seen him, you love him. Jesus is not even tangible right now for them or for us. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. Look at all the intangible. Even though Jesus is intangible, look at the intangible they receive, that we receive. And you rejoice with joy. When's the last time you had joy in your life? When's the last time you rejoiced with joy? Because you know that God is good. You know he's with you even in the hardship. That joy, he says, is inexpressible and it's filled with glory. Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. If you only focus on what you can touch, according to this passage, you'll miss out on much, on all of these things. Guys, you're no longer to be shaped by Sorry, shaped primarily by our society and by our culture and by this world. You've experienced a reversal in Christ Jesus. You've experienced an upside down kingdom. You've experienced a beautiful exchange where he's given you something that is imperishable, undefilable, unfading. So stop being afraid. Stop being afraid of being different from the world. Remember, Peter's writing this to, to guard us from assimilating into the world. So stop being afraid of that. Stop being afraid of being different. It's our difference that people want. Brother Lawrence, he says this. He says, not to advance in the spiritual life is to go back. But those who have the gale of the Holy Spirit go forward even in sleep. In order to be moved by the gale of the Holy Spirit or the wind of the Holy Spirit, we have to let go of the tangible. We can't be consumed by it. You can't say, this is all I have and this is all I'm going to hold on to. You have to let go of that. And I get it, guys. It's, it can be like standing on the edge of a cliff on a precipice and overlooking and having to take that first step. And, and you don't know 
what you're gonna do. It's just a big step in the unknown and you don't know what's gonna happen after that. And C.S. Lewis paints this picture in the beginning of his book, uh, The Silver Chair, which is the best one in the Chronicles of Narnia, uh, where, where this young girl is standing on the edge of the cliff and Aslan, the, the messianic figure in there, he blows her with his breath off the cliff. And she's scared just for a second, just for a second. And I know you guys are scared sometimes to take that step, but she's scared just for a second, it says, until she realizes she doesn't have to do anything. She's floating on the breath of God. And he's taking her wherever he wants her to go and she wants wherever that is because he's given her a mission to live out and she wants to live out that mission in this book. And she just relaxes and enjoys the ride. And guys, I know it can be scary sometimes, but if you want to be pushed forward in the gale of the Holy Spirit, you have to let go of the tangible to receive that which is intangible. We as a church... We have to let go of the former. We have to let go of the old wineskin. We have to let go of the old form. We have to let go of the tangible and open ourselves up to the intangible, to the future, to that which is greater than what we currently have. We have to be willing to have open hands. We have to embrace exile. Because when we do, we'll be rooted in our identity and our destiny in Christ and will truly influence our city and the world. We want to invite you to do that with us. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for your example. Thank you that you modeled this life for us. And we want to just live according to that. So show us how to do that by the power of your spirit in your name. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.